0: I'm Alex Shaw.
1: I'm Sharon Shaw. And,
0: and welcome, welcome to, to School of <gasps> Movies. <clears throat> Light here.
2: A year of work for a four-minute flight. Isn't that something? Huh. We're all ready if you are, sir. Well, let's go find out if this... <laughs> uh, we got a breach in the perimeter. Oh, no, no, no,
1: no, no, no,
2: no. <laughs> Thank you. is like your mission log. After a full year of being marooned on this planet, our first test flight is a go. Let's get everyone home. Good luck, Captain.
3: <laughs> We're coming on you? Roger that. There's a
0: i am socks your personal companion robot
2: like to come and we're being pursued by a, a just a massive robot,
0: a robot oh, in in sky. Sky. that was utterly terrifying and i regret having joined you on right
3: the children
0: I can provide sleep sounds if you like. I have several options. Summer night, ocean paradise, whale calls.
2: No, no. White noise is fine. Very well. Good night,
0: Sox. Good night, Buzz. <laughs> okay, Lightyear. Pixar's, uh, second film this year? I've actually lost count. It's, it's uh, that and, uh turning red isn't it
1: if turning red came out this year luca
0: was last year wasn't it
1: yes i believe so
0: and so was soul
1: yes but soul luca and turning red were all uh digital only and Lightyear got a theatrical release Hmm. it is their first theatrical release in a while
0: okay so toy story 4 was june 2019 onward was march 2020 that was the last one pre-pandemic and a lot of people didn't get to see onward Uh, So then there was Soul in December of 2020. Uh, That was like a Christmas present from Pixar. Luca in June of 2021, Turning Red in March of 2022, like pandemic day. Like it was like a a two year celebration and then Lightyear in June of this year. And then we've got Elements coming up in June of next year, directed by Peter Son, who voices the cat in this.
1: Correct. Elemental.
0: Elemental, sorry, you're absolutely right. Peter Son also directed The Good Dinosaur. Remember that show we did on that? Oh, dear. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a perfectly charming chappy. Right, so, Lightyear. What we're going to talk about involves a lot of things people have already chewed over and spat out regarding Lightyear, but there is a difference in that when I saw this at the cinema, I was almost entirely unthrilled. And then when we saw it yesterday at... Home, on Disney+, Plus. Sharon and Willow were thrilled. They really liked it. So we had two completely different experiences there, and I'm interested in the contrasts there. So, this starts off by claiming that in 1995 there was a movie that Andy from Toy Story saw that inspired him to get a Buzz Lightyear figure. This is that movie. Now, that is not the film. That is the pitch for the film. And somewhere along the way, they made a movie for 2022.
3: Yes. (laughs)
0: Because this is a movie for 2022. Like, I I was there in 1995. Y'all can't sneak that shit past me. We'd need a Jumanji. Like, that's the equivalent. And the way that... Buzz is tilted in this film is not what happened to superheroes and space heroes in the 90s. No,
1: it most definitely is not. One of the, uh, the notes that I made is that Lightyear is regardless of what they claim to the contrary, it is a completely separate story to the Toy Story series. It has nothing to do with the Buzz Lightyear that Andy plays with in 1995, and I strongly suspect that that fact has pushed a few people away because it feels like, well, you sold it to us as this thing, and it is not that thing. But as soon as you can get past the fact that it is not that thing, it kind of opens up into being its own thing. Yeah,
0: it becomes a Pixar movie where... They do Pixar things. Like, Toy Story was a very unusual movie to come out in 1995. Other film, superhero film for that year, Batman Forever. Mm. Joel Schumacher wanted to take Batman on a journey, wanted to explore the psychology of Batman. That's why Dr. Chase Meridian is a psychologist. Mm -hmm. The studio blocked him. They didn't like the idea of Bruce having some sort of epiphany. So they kind of damped down the the turnabout in that film where Bruce decides, I am both Bruce and Batman. I don't now do this because I have to out of obsession with my parents' murder. I do this because I want to. I want to be Batman. That's a breakthrough. If this was released in 1995, Buzz wouldn't have to have this epiphany about himself. He wouldn't have True. to change, and he'd basically go through the whole thing like Tim Allen in Toy Story, who, by the way, goes through an epiphany. Yep.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Although Willow did observe quite sharply I thought that the, the looking at it in retrospect in terms of how did this action figure come out of this movie mm. it, it is quite common for action figures to be made that completely miss the point of the movie.
0: That is true. <laughs> uh, another film that came out in that year, Judge Dredd, the Ooh. Sylvester Stallone film. He experiences <laughs> zero growth in that thing. Yeah. law! <laughs> like, when he's done, after he's realised that the whole institution is fucked, he's like, I'm going back to work! And he's like, just stalking off to be a fucking fascist cop again.
1: Absolutely. Let's, his, let's return to our usual programming.
0: In his fucking Versace unit. Uniform. Um, Unbelievable.
1: One other thing that I will say, though, is that you you say it's a Pixar movie. It is. But it is not a Pixar movie as we have become accustomed to Pixar movies. Mm. It is not in the bracket of something like an inside out.
0: Well, there's no concept apart from the concept I just mentioned.
1: But I do think that a, a part of that is... The movies that Pixar made that you and I completely fell in love with in terms of the emotional ringing that they provide for uh, kids who, by other studios, are protected from and insulated from and told, it's okay, nothing matters. It's all cheerful and chirpy and, and, and sort of giggly.
0: They were sad for a bit, but now they're happy. Yeah. Oh, look, there's an elephant. Oh, he's got a balloon. Oh, the monkey stole it. Yeah. He brings it back. They They all drink drink lemonade. lemonade.
1: Indeed. Now, while this is not that, I do feel like this is kind of... This is a Pixar movie for 2022. This is a Pixar movie for children who have been battered the (laughs) shit out of from pillar to post for the last eight years. This is a movie for children who need a bit of gentleness, who need to be handled with soft gloves at this point. And I really was kind of able to appreciate that watching it from the safety of our sofa, just in the company of mm-hmm. the people that I care about the most.
0: Without hearing kids in the audience who don't appreciate Precisely.
1: it i oh, Yeah. Exactly. So while it did get a theatrical release, it it was one that, for me, the theatrical release was kind of by the by, and sadly it would appear that the theatrical release did not do spectacularly, Mm. for reasons. You know, I
0: should have got a theatrical release turning red yeah. by the way i've just seen a uh, a poster for cutthroat island that was not released at the time because that was a drew Struzan. and this one they've tried they've been like i could do a pirates of the caribbean mark and they've <laughs> tried to make it look as much like pirates of the caribbean as they possibly can yeah. there are going to be some disappointed dvd buyers
1: Indeed. Mind you, anybody who saw the Drew Struitson poster would also have been disappointed. That's true. We were expecting
0: a better film than this. Yeah. Ooh, Mallrats came out in that same year. (laughs) And, Not the same thing. And while you were sleeping. Oh, that a nice movie. We actually saw GoldenEye in the cinema the other day.
1: Mm-hmm. You say that. Our local cinema put the DVD on for the, us.
0: To the DVD. <laughs> it was edited to get to reframe the rabbit punch in uh, the car before the chopper mm. incident, just to make sure that British people can't see it. Um, I believe the Blu-ray that I have at home is uncut, so we could actually... You know that, that uh, Nicole Kidman thing saying, we make movies better they did that before the film and i'm like you don't, don't though don't. do you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fine i love it when they show big 4k presentations mm. and they've, they've got like a remastered version yeah. of, a, of a classic film like yeah. when we saw um jaws looked fantastic and when we saw don't look now that looked brilliant ghostbusters looked good mm-hmm. uh but when we saw die hard it Knew was shitty it was and, like, I had the 4K version at home and I was like, I should really go and see that. But GoldenEye is a film where they go, Bond, you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. And that Natalia's like, you're like boys with toys. But that's about as much as Bond takes. He doesn't reappraise himself. He doesn't come out of this a whole new Bond. Mm, yeah. That's This is not a 1995 movie. In spite movie.
1: of the fact that the whole point of GoldenEye is that it's his best mate who's turned out to be yeah. the bad... He does not then go, oh... Well, this whole institution's that also fucked. also happened to me.
0: Mm. Anyway, so... I mean, but it honestly, was
1: 1995. If they had
0: made a movie happen. that felt like it was made in 1995, it would have been like, and here's the funny black guy. He's going to be his companion. Yeesh. They can sell toys of him. Because <sighs> John Peters produced it, so...
1: In that case, we should just be grateful that there isn't a spider in
0: it. Yes, they were trying to get that done.
1: Was John Peters anything to do with mole rats? <laughs>
0: No (laughs) In fact Mallrats may have been The reason they said Thank you for your time To Kevin Smith (laughs) When they looked at The box office receipts For that thing Anyway Let's talk about Buzz Lightyear Mm -hmm. So so like I said I think Claiming that it was A movie from 1995 Just hurt the movie What they could have And should have said Is This Is a remake Of that That movie movie. (laughs) Made by Pixar (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably More accurate Mm. Okay, so for starters, we've got Chris Evans as Buzz, and a lot of right-wingers were like, why? Okay. Okay,
1: regardless of what your politics might be, or your slight concern as a film exec that Tim Allen might say something on the socials that means that you have to put the movie on pause, because that could easily have happened in spite of all that, here's what it comes down to. Tim Allen old...
0: He old. He old.
1: He was old in
0: 1995. Yes,
1: he was.
0: No one leaves a Buzz Lightyear with a bucket list.
1: And you can't sell a movie on Tim Allen these days. You just can't.
0: I mean, you, you could, but like, it's been a long time since the Santa Claus 3 versus Jack Frost.
1: Indeed. Did Wild Hogs come out between... Wild Hogs! Uh, Toy Story and now... Yes, and did Wild Hogs do gangbusters it, it did, at the box office? It
0: did way more than it deserved <laughs> for a film as shit as Wild Hogs. But let's look at, in fact, uh, Tim Allen's recent box office, shall we? Uh, it cost sixty million, made two hundred fifty-three million.
1: Ooh, okay, all right. In that case, Hang that on, is I... better than I thought. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, let's go for Tim Allen career, and then it just descends from there. Right, um, so I mean, yeah, obviously Tim Allen was in Toy Story Four.
3: Hmm.
0: Uh he was in Ralph Breaks the Internet as Buzz Lightyear. Um he's in an American documentary called No Safe Spaces.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably around about the point where they went, let's get Chris Evans, shall we? We've already got him on contract.
0: It features commentator Dennis Prager. Ooh, Do you know about Prager ooh, you? Ooh. Okay, and at this point Tim Allen would go. <laughs> Except for the fact that he's like, yeah, Prager. Mm. And comedian Adam Carolla talking to college students and faculty around university safe spaces. The documentary also covers free speech. Controversies occasioned when conservatives are invited to speak in university settings. The film was released in Arizona theatres in October 2019 and was successful enough to have a national release. It had mixed reviews from critics. Several critics panned the film as biased for The A.V. Club. Vadim Rizov gave the film an F, summing up. This isn't an argument for free speech. It's just paranoid whining, complete with a roundtable of comics, sympathetically agreeing how sad and scary this all is, plus images of the Statue of Liberty with tape over its mouth. John Wenzel of, of the Denver Post gave the film two stars and noted, frequently the film asserts that words have power. Why else would you want to make sure colleges are hosting conservative speakers? But then hedges the assertion by saying people are too readily offended these days. Which is it? Los Angeles so- Times review also panned it as one-sided, and disappointing agitprop. Yeah,
1: agitprop yeah. is pronounced. Yeah. agit-prop. Agitational propaganda. Specifically when applied to theatre or film.
0: <laughs> Several critics reviewed the film more positively. Alan Ng of Film Threat gave the film a 90 and wrote in his review, when all is said and done this film is offensive only to those who won't want to watch it. He's right. I can't argue with him on that. Like, I was offended by this film. You didn't have to watch it. You're right. Okay, so either way, Tim Allen...
1: That is the last thing Tim Allen did. Come back to us in four years, folks, and I'm willing to bet we're still saying
0: He did other things. He did... El Camino Christmas, Adventures of the Penguin King, Three Geezers. <coughs> yes, but they were before he yeah, did no know Before places. that. Okay, so he was... Yeah, but I'm saying, like, he's done other things. Yes, Three Geezers, The Penguin King, which sounds like a prequel to Adventures of the Penguin King, Chimpanzee. He was the narrator of that one. Uh, I Am Comic, as himself. Toy Story 3. Fucking hell. This is all he's done since Toy Story 3.
1: Buzz Lightyear. Mostly Buzz, Buzz Lightyear, Lightyear. Narrator
0: Buzz Lightyear. himself. And in Three Geezers, he plays Tim. Tim. There are some who call me Tim. Tim. Either way, Tim Allen, a little bit problematic. Disney trying to do a bit of a reshuffle. Either way, they wanted a performance. You, you pointed out that. Okay, say what you said about the, the whole performance thing.
1: Okay, so yeah, one of the other things that people had picked up on was, and, and used Lightyear as part of the fuel for this particular fire, although it wasn't just about Lightyear by any stretch, was the idea of getting quote unquote celebrity voices in to do animated movies.
0: Continue. I I immediately took exception with quote-unquote celebrity voices of this celebrity Chris Evans. Oh, he's a celebrity for some reason. I can't can't quite put a finger on why he's a celebrity. I
1: personally think the argument around this was poorly framed because when people talk about celebrity voices in an animated movie, I think you got... uh, Jeremy Clarkson in to do a line yeah. in Cars, because people in Britain will recognise Jeremy Clarkson's voice and they'll go, ah, I recognise that voice!
0: Or Simon Cowell playing himself.
1: Exactly, yeah. What
0: film did we see the other day where he was doing that? I can't remember. I don't It was remember. horrible and I hated every it, second it he was on screen. doesn't
1: cement these things in the head. But, so that, that, to me, is celebrity voices. Getting a professional actor who is known for their live action performances and saying, could you do that just using your voice? is not the same thing as celebrity voices. Yeah. I get the idea, because because the, the, the argument against was there's all these professional voice actors that aren't getting work because Chris Pratt and Chris Evans are eating all their pie. No!
0: There is something to be said for Chris Pratt getting too many major roles at the same time for animated films.
1: Now, while I agree with that... The bottom line is Chris Pratt was getting too many live-action roles also at the same time. Stop giving everything to to Chris Chris Pratt. Pratt. I agree with that. That is not the same argument. On
0: that same argument, I've heard a lot of people say that this gives A-list actors the chance to be in animated movies, but it means voice actors don't get to be in big animated movies. This assumes that if they get voice actors in, they will be people who need the chance to be in big a-list movies Dee bradley baker is a top tier voice actor he's the uh the guy waiting in the wings for when frank welker finally shuffles off this mortal coil to that voiceover booth in the sky i hope that never happens i love the guy but frank welker got it sorted out years ago and Dee Bradley Baker can also do animal noises. He voiced Apa. He voiced Momo in The uh, Last Airbender. He can make the sound of a little man inside his mouth singing. He's gifted. He can also do, like, he played Tarlok. He, he, he's, he's, he can do great animated series performances. Now, if you go to these, like, top-tier A-list voice actors... And you look at what they've done with their the past 20 years. Your finger gets tired going down and 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 down. All these roles. Because every casting agent, who's also a voice director, goes, just get Dee Bradley Baker in for this one. He can make the sound of a little man inside his mouth. If you're advocating for low-tier voice actors like maybe Loretta Saylor, the actress who plays... Harry Arlington and Annie Oakley in New Century. uh, Someone who actually is genuinely pursuing a voice acting career. And I would love to see her in a big film.
4: You can look into their eyes and see them trapped in there with it. Trying to do what they feel they must. Holding it back from the world. Like what's out there matters more than what's in here. And sooner or later, they break.
0: Loretta's not going to be given a big role in a big Pixar film just because they're like, we don't want to get celebrities. All the people who do not-celebrity voices are voice actors, or, more often than not, Pixar staff. Peter Son was, was on Story, and then he got to play the cat in this. And like,
1: Emil in Ratatouille. And
0: Emil in Ratatouille, He's got a lovely voice. And I'm assuming, as Pixar folks are wandering around their studios, they're going, hey, Peter's got a great voice, he could play this cat. So they get that chance. So so if it's not going to go to Chris Evans, and it's not going to go to Dee Bradley Baker, and it's not going to go to Loretta, who is it going to go to? Like, Troy Baker and Nolan North, top-tier voice actors. There are dude, white dudes trying to be voice actors who've got quite versatile ranges who are like... Well, obviously I'm not going to beat Nolan North at this fucking interview for who's going to be playing this character.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Is Jennifer Hale still alive? Yes. Then I'm not getting any work.
0: (laughs) Certainly not high-profile A-list Disney work. I, I would actually like to see a business made more fair and I would love to hear a variety and versatility of voices across all animated things. So it's not just the same actors that we know and love. I would love to see that become a thing. It's really, really difficult to organize voice performances when you're tight for time and you need a quantifiable voice performer that you know exactly what they're capable of. So the reality is there's so many complexities behind the casting of this. And when it comes down to it, Aladdin was a huge deal because of Robin Williams. And at the time, Williams was like, don't tell anyone I'm the genie. And that doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. Because if people hear you're the genie and you're the best thing in Aladdin and you are helping Disney to become a powerhouse again, you get movie roles offered to you. Because you're fantastic in that. Robin Williams was huge in the 90s because he played the genie. I don't know why he asked them not to say that. Mm. Surely he'd be like, yeah, you're going to pay me the big bucks, but you make sure my name's on that poster. Like you'd want the opposite. Ah, you'd want no, no, the exposure. No. That's
1: the thing. They paid him peanuts. He got a, lo- a he got lowballed on the fee, or right. rather, he lowballed the fee, saying, "I will do it I'll for do this it. low fee." But don't say you it's don't me. You don't get to use me for advertising. That,
0: that, again, if, you're, if I'm lowballing it, use my name, so I get more offers, and that generates more revenue for Clan Williams.
1: Maybe negotiate a percentage rather than a flat rate fee. <sighs> Anyway, it's a big mess,
0: folks. And it's so much more complicated than, oh, another animated movie's coming out. I guess Chris Pratt's playing everyone.
1: It is particularly complicated when you bear in mind that for the last couple of years, making animated movies that you can record from the comfort of your own pandemic-proof home is something that most actors would probably have been extremely grateful for.
0: The other thing that's rather important, I would posit... The most influential animated movie of all time is Shrek. Somebody won't
3: tell me the
0: world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. They had front and center on the posters Myers, Murphy, Lithgow, Diaz. They were selling it on these comedy personalities, you know, PROGRESSO shoot You've seen him on Third Rock from the Sun, now he's playing a villain in the Shrek movie. And Shrek was huge. You could say, well, Shrek, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, influential, and you know, it, it inspired animation, no, 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 no. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was Disney's opening salvo to owning Animation in cinemas in the 20th century in the West. What?
1: It's got a vision of Shrek saying, Who could deny that the 21st century was, was entirely,
0: entirely mine? mine. <laughs> All of it! Don't care. All of it! Mine! All the memes! <laughs> but yeah, no. Disney. Disney owned the cinema in animation. Like, everyone who tried... All of these bums! I buried them all! Don Bluth tried. We did a whole show about it. Don Bluth went up against Disney, and he was handy, and he did well with American Tale, and he did well with <laughs> The Land Before Time, but after that, it was just, oh, failure, oh, terrible failure. No one wants to see your weird, creepy, dark, dark movies where the mouse dies.
3: So Don
1: Bluth tried. Richard Williams kind of half-heartedly tried, sort of, and the person who succeeds is Jeffrey Frickin Katzenberg
0: because he knows how the market works. I hate him. He knows how screening rooms work, and if the kids are restless and they don't want to watch, then you don't make the money. So you should take part of your world out of I the think little Kassenberg mermaid.
1: Katzenberg is gonna have to go on my list, like Putin, Trump, Murdoch. Katzenberg!
0: Most influential animated movie of all time. Anyway, basically, like, all the Shark Tales, all of it, all of your Romeo and Juliet's, your Over the Hedges, the fucking Minions, all of that spewed out of Shrek's... Shrek pulled a gaper, like, pulled apart his his mammoth gargantuan green butt cheeks and sharted out into the world all of these screaming animal fucking comedies. DC League of Super Pets that's just the secret life of pets but with capes on. I mean it's literally just Kevin Hart like, oh he was a fluffy bunny before but now he's a fucking dog with the same attitude. It's the same stuff and it's all because Shrek said, we don't have to do the Disney thing. In fact, two fingers up to you, Disney, you fuckers. It was demonstrated that being anti-Disney was a format for the early 2000s, doing what Disney didn't until Disney did what Disney didn't. You want chicken littles? Because that's how you get chicken littles. And you know what other venue reaps lucrative rewards purely for being anti-Disney? In fact, the angrier you are at Disney, the more rewards you get. YouTube. You don't have to have anything to say apart from why did Disney keep remaking this money? Why did Disney ruin Star Wars? Why are Disney ruining Marvel? The Marvel Universe is dead. A Lot of thumbnails of She-Hulk pulling a face to illustrate how dead Marvel is. Two genuine videos that I saw this week side by side, just champions of the algorithm, why Andor is perfect and it will save Star Wars, and from a completely different dude, why Obi-Wan can blow me, stole my organs, and sold them on eBay. Because nuance doesn't get you clicks. You've gotta go to extremes, folks. Just doing that for years on end. Disney ruins everything. It's a good narrative for clicks. So the basis for the quote-unquote celebrity voices, while you could point at Aladdin, it's very much about Shrek. Shrek getting Jeremy Clarkson on. Shrek getting Larry King on to play the ugly sister. Jonathan Ross in the UK, but not for the third one. <laughs> for some reason, it was just Larry King in the UK as well. Suddenly, Jonathan Ross had disappeared. You don't know who Jonathan Ross is in America, do you? <laughs> okay. He gave Batman and Robin Don't a five. Too. Anyway, so Evans as Buzz.
1: Yeah, I, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he did really well.
0: You thought Chris Evans was fantastic oh. for uh. this role. <laughs> I thought he was storming it, personally. I carry a human torch for him. <laughs> Continue, sir. She looked at her watch in a kind of It's Your Own Time You're Wasting. Don't play fucking substitute teacher with me. I'll waste all of our time.
1: And then you'll edit it to make it look like you didn't waste ah, any time at all. That's clever there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, what am I going to say? It's Chris Evans. When am I ever going to say Chris Evans did badly? Oh, the grey man. Okay. Yeah, the grey um, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, okay. It's Chris Evans. I thought he was wonderful. I, it's it's. You've got uh, to just
0: you're not just super. No, no, no. Come I on. know, I know. But the, what did he add to Buzz?
1: Okay, so the the fact that he. All right, here's the thing. He managed to make it so that this wasn't just Steve Rogers. This wasn't just a hero stepping out onto the scene and doing the hero thing.
0: Steve Rogers is not just a hero. No, 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 He's I know. the hero, and that's Mister the Hero to you. <laughs>
1: But that's how people often interpret him. It's not just a, a Captain America. We got him because he's Captain America. He's not bringing anything beyond that role that he's already done. The, I also the, hate it when
0: people go, "Yeah, just Captain America," and they sort of yeah. sweep their hand. Indeed. In but a kind he, of ah, oh, just you're, he's just a Boy Scout, and it's like neither Superman nor Captain America are Captain America or Superman like you're saying.
1: Mm. But he convinces as the uh, the. I can do everything myself and I don't need any help. But then also when that pivot comes, when he starts to realise that this is not how things are going to play from now on, there's there's moments of that not making sense for him and him questioning that and feeling like he's been pushed out onto this limb that he doesn't want to be on. And, the, and all he wants to do is run away. And eventually that is something that he is able to come back around from and come back from and build himself back up into a person who can live in this new world which I think is really quite key to the 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 themes behind the story again this is what for me made it very much a movie for 2022 the concept of People, especially older people, getting fixated on what they think is important because it was important to them possibly years ago and missing or ignoring or running roughshod over the fact that perceptions and values have changed and they don't get to decide what is important for the people around them anymore. And they have to accept that those that input from the next generation or people who have in the past been ignored, like the elderly or convicted felons, the source of deciding how we make our decisions about how we progress as a group, do not just get to be made by you, the commander, anymore.
2: Commander Hawthorne, you know how I feel about rookies. The same way I feel about autopilots. How may I assist you? Is there anything I can do, sir? They don't help. They just overcomplicate things. I'm better off just doing the job myself.
4: Which is why I brought the rookie. Uh,
3: hello?
2: No.
4: Buzz,
3: protocol requires we bring him along. He's
2: gonna have sad eyes. Buzz? You know I can't deal with sad I eyes. Look at the rookie,
3: Buzz. Nope. Look at the r- look No, no, Lightyear. Nope. Look at him. Not looking. Look, look, No, 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 no. Look,
2: no, look, no, look no, at no. the rookie. <sighs> all right, all right! You win. <sighs> Look, Feather. Featherings. Feather. It's a feathering instance, sir. Look, rookie. First, you will not speak unless spoken to. Yes, sir. Still talking. Second, respect the suit. This suit means something. It's not just protecting your body, it's protecting the universe. This suit is a promise to the world that you and you alone will do one thing above all finish the mission, no matter the cost. You will never quit. Whatever the galaxy may throw your way. Will you
3: please turn that off? <laughs> It's just too easy.
2: You're (laughs) mocking me, aren't you?
3: Yeah, but in a supportive way.
0: If you haven't seen it, the premise is this Buzz Lightyear and a human colony land on a planet that is pretty damn hostile uh, because of his error they're stuck there so he undertakes a dangerous scientific experiment to go at par- past light speed to try to create a special kind of fuel that can get them off the planet in doing so he ends up time slipping many many years of planet time but only minutes for him so he keeps coming back every few years and they're getting older and they're having families and they're sort of flourishing as a uh, result of staying there and he's still doggedly uh, trying to get them off world and his partner effectively lives an entire life without him work partner as in colleague she starts off as a young kind of uh, recruit and she ends up marrying a woman We'll come back to that they have children together she becomes a grandmother and eventually she dies while he's away on yet another experimental run and he's barely felt time elapse, but it's 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 just gone now and that was the the kicker of the film for me the first act is really good but then new management takes over and they're like no no, no we're staying here we're putting up a laser shield And these bugs and tentacles and things will stop bothering us and we can live in peace on this incredibly hostile planet. Uh, But Buzz doesn't want to hear that. He wants to go out and be a rocket man and uh, be a super astronaut and everyone's depending on him in his head. So he goes out and does that which inevitably brings about a interstellar style conflict between NASA and going beyond and Staying here and making the best of what we have and in both this and interstellar the argument is flawed because in interstellar Everything's just a dust bowl. They can't grow anything. The human race is dying and the mission itself relies upon NASA being able to go out there and do something to make a bridge to actually get them the fuck off this planet and actually rescue humanity from dying in the dust so the film does not present a good counterpoint to not going out there it's very much weighted in favor of nasa uh whereas in this it's the other way around where it kind of says buzz you're going out there and doing this over and over again everyone's fine just back here you know we're 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 fine living in this 30 block square and uh being on this planet full of carnivorous bugs and they will kill and eat you and then there's these tentacles that just keep coming up from the ground and trying to kill you and we don't really need to go anywhere and we're fine here as we are the difficulty for me is i'm very much a both? both, both 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 is good i understand that they both are very resource intensive uh, but and by the end, that's kind of what the film does as well. That says like everyone stays there and uh, and they just sort of have their their happy time on the planet. And Buzz and his but new recruits get to go, go off to in a secret it. mission in uncharted space and sort of play at being um, rangers and, and 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 cartographers and going out and. And exploring new territories and Star Trekking it effectively. Yeah, I- Only in Star Trek, the Earth is great already. They don't have to go out, yes. they choose to go out and connect with all of these people. And in fact, the Earth is great because they connected with all these Absolutely. people. In fact, technically, it the Earth is great the- because the Vulcans connected with them and went, yeah. you're ready now.
1: It's the safe place that they that they can expand outwards from. Yeah. But I think the difference between this and what they were saying in, in Interstellar or what Interstellar was presenting, rather, not necessarily what they were saying, is that the, the, the thing that Buzz is clinging to is the concept of going home. It's the And then eventually that home becomes something that nobody on this planet remembers anymore. Mm. No one who is, by the end of it, one assumes most of the people who came with them on the colony turnip have passed away.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's when it becomes a generational thing where the kids are having to inherit the dreams and uh, habits of their parents and grandparents and uh, eventually Buzz hooks up, not hooks up with, eventually Buzz makes contact with Izzy the uh, granddaughter of his partner who's now long gone and she's a uh, aspiring space ranger even though she's terrified of space but she doesn't do the things that her grandmother did and she does things differently. And the eventual villain in this is another Buzz from a different future. And I I actually got it this time while I was watching because when you're in the cinema, you're like, what, hang on. Okay, so when did this timeline happen? Effectively, what we're watching, when Buzz ends up touching back down and reconnecting with the colony and things are sort of going a bit awry, it's a second run after an existing version of Buzz has gone way into the future, found alien technology and come back to force them off world. and has he's voiced by James Brolin. He's old and craggy and gray-haired. He goes around dressed as Emperor Zerg, and they kind of explain it away by having him, the battle droids can't say Buzz. Wait a minute, hold on, you're not me. I'm
2: are you now? But I'm you 50 years from now. I'm thinking of a number between 1 and... 1,273. Wow. How? I don't understand. Don't worry about it. None of this is gonna matter. Buzz! Yes? Yes. You have to explain it all to him. I reached hyperspeed too.
3: Hyperspeed.
2: Just like you did. No, that new commander was going to arrest me for stealing the XL-15. So I escaped. I traveled centuries. And I ended up in a future you wouldn't recognize. If we can use this crystal to go forward in time, why not use it to go back? I've broken time. What's happening to you never happened to me. If we can go back in time, we can... we can stop ourselves from ever landing on that planet. From ever hitting that mountain. We can just continue the mission home. It's It's a a good good plan. plan. See, I wore my crystal out testing the time travel. This is as far back in time as I could get. Come on, help me configure the engine. So, we designed all of this? Oh no, this is all, uh, borrowed. She'll get to be a space ranger again, Buzz. She won't have Izzy. Who's Izzy? The only thing people are gonna know is that we finished our mission. I don't know, maybe... Maybe we should think about this. Think about what? She had a whole life down there. What kind of life? We're supposed to matter.
0: Where are you going? You and me, we're not the same. But he doesn't accept when younger Buzz has an epiphany and realizes, oh, I'm holding on way too tightly and look at what a monster I've become. And so eventually has to be destroyed by his younger self. For starters, we've seen Looper. Secondly, would it not have been just a little bit more powerful had younger Buzz been able to explain to to older Buzz in a way that actually got to him because he knows who he is help us Mm. the difference between this and the miserable old bastard in up who's like a shadowy reflection of our old age pensioner hero played by Christopher Plummer who starred in Knives Out directed by Ryan Johnson director of Looper but the difference between him and James Brolin's character here, oh, Thanos' dad, is is barely anything. Like, miserable old game. I, they're going to do what I want them to do. It's yeah. it's not granular enough as drama for me to really have that oomph. Mm-hmm. That, like, I would go that one, two, five steps further with and this.
1: And I completely agree. And I think that's ultimately part of what prevents it from becoming that top-tier Pixar that, that we would be used to previously that that there is still this fixation in this one that you have to have a villain who remains a villain Hmm. and you win because you defeat the villain
0: but there's a fable going on where i've got to do this everything's on me and it's almost chastising men in the audience for having this dream of going out and being the person that everyone thanks for saving them so it's it's kind of a, a, a takedown of the, uh, the mythical hero.
1: Interrogate the hero myth.
0: Which and... I like.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It just doesn't go far enough with it because ultimately when he gets back to this, the, the way the colony is right now, you don't see many people near the end. Like you did at the beginning, there was a lot of faces on show. There were a lot of people in uniforms, but had their faces out and sort of little laser swords. It was all very bunch of humans on a spaceship, only the spaceship is stranded. At the end, he's standing in front of a squad of soldiers with mechanical robot suits on and red eyes. And they're all going, yes, sir. Are these robots or people? And who's he saving here? And then there's this one ordinary commander who's like sort of like barking all the orders. And I'm just like, we haven't seen any of the colonists in ages. And I began to really disconnect with what was trying to be saved here, mm, yeah. which made it very hard for me to go. Yeah, they're, they're right. They're, they're doing great so here. They've all is- become really. They look like the hellgast in yeah. fucking kill zone.
1: We settle a colony. We. Get it to the point where everybody is self-sufficient enough that they start to become regimented and organised, and it's very authoritarian. It's like an ant farm. And then we leave, and we start a new colony, and then we get everybody settled. That's... and then... no,
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> Working with your environment, yes. like how could the emperor's new groove get this right? But like it gets—that's yeah. wrong.
1: See, uh, Thing that did make me go, at eh.
0: The following scenario did not happen in the film, but imagine. At the end, the tentacles are like, oh, thank you for recognizing that we are actually the massive organism within this planet that you invaded, and now you're working with us, That's analogous for working with our environment, cleaner energy, ignoring the crazy old bastards who will cling to fossil fuels as we burn to death. Mm -hmm. I get that, if you wanna blow up old Buzz, that's fine, but we need an ending where it's working with the Earth because that's what the parallel is here. You cannot invoke, do we fix our shit right here or do we go out and explore space unless they actually fix their shit right here, and they don't. There's more screen time devoted to Taika Waititi's pen gag than there is to illustrating that they are now working with the planet. Or even that there are families still there after all these time jumps. And not just weird robot soldier people. I really didn't like this film when I saw it in the cinema. I came away going, This is Pixar barely trying. And so when it finished, Willow went, That was awesome. And I was like, Really? So tell me why. I I feel like I'm interrogating you now, but there's got to be more than what I'm saying here, because as far as I'm concerned, it is mixed messages and bungled. Aside from Chris Evans playing a sad man out of time, that he did well. Again. It powered it through because I could feel him Mm. in his expression.
1: Yeah, and I completely understand where you're coming from, sweetheart. And ultimately, if the... It it is a fine balance between what works and what doesn't. And ultimately, if what didn't work for you tipped the scales, then that's that's okay. It is understandable and I I get why that frustrated
0: you. Was this film a comedy? Because my audience didn't laugh once. Mm. And I didn't laugh once. And when I watched it yesterday, I still didn't laugh once. Mm. I was very aware that we were supposed to laugh quite a bit. And it wasn't happening.
1: I'm not going to convince you that it was more than it was.
0: No, no, I want to you. know why you liked it. You've got to give me more reasons than just well, Chris Evans is lovely.
1: Okay, all right. Well, I think for me what worked, and I, I agree with you entirely over what didn't, and that that conclusion about what are we actually building here was unresolved. I That is entirely true. What worked for me, I think, was the character interactions and the, the way that he connected with this new little team that they were giving us something which had not been there before in terms of this is the the group of people who everybody looks down on there that you know she calls them the junior squad but she's the only one that's young she's a cadet they're it's dodgeball uh, yeah basically it's a it's a team of people who are not expected to achieve anything and they uncover their personal individual strengths in an environment where they are they have nothing else they can only rely on themselves and each other and for me that is a strong enough message to kind of elevate it up above the stuff that it doesn't resolve satisfactorily
0: mm. I think Peter Son, was actually one of the um, the director of *The Good Dinosaur* was was one of the best aspects of the latter half, because we all like a, a droid or an AI or a machine that can think and doesn't need to preserve its life quite so much, but says things very flatly, the way Baymax does, the way Gertie in *Moon*, Mavis in *Love and Robots*, you know, even three PO does when he's feeling melancholy. I figured out the fuel problem. What? It was an interesting combination. Just the slightest variance, but it made all the difference. How did you do this? It took me 62 years, seven months, and five days. And it's stable? Theoretically. The cat that everyone obviously was gonna love um, is a character who's experienced and lived for a long, long time pondering the specifics of how to get this fuel running but he has an overview that a lot of the humans don't. So when he speaks, you pay attention. And there is at one point, because of the time dilation, a duplicate of him, an older version who likes the younger version of Buzz better because the older one's crazy. Um, And he ends up getting crushed by Emperor Zurg and just smashed underfoot. And it's okay because there's a double there, but it's not okay and i could imagine kids in the audience especially little kids who don't understand the time dilation freaking the fuck out because this cat has just been crushed i don't think that film needed to do that okay so do you remember the teaser trailer mm-hmm. okay what was it well what was the what were the feelings the teaser was trying to inspire in you it was david bowie singing starman one of his first big songs
1: Expansiveness.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of...
1: Exploration. There was no
0: words in it until the very end when it said mm-hmm. to infinity.
1: Boop. Yeah. Uh, isolation and loneliness.
0: Yep. It was... Which is very much in keeping with the song. A lot of, like, shots of rockets rising up and sort of preparations for big scientific trips and NASA-type stuff. And... Mm-hmm. And this one guy heading out. So, again, it's that mythology of the one guy heading out to do the thing. But it made us think about Kennedy-era space travel, and it made us think about how inspiring that was when...
4: Sam Seaborn had a guy who spotted a UFO today, am I right? Mm, Sam laughed him out of his office, but you've been thinking about it ever since. But you can rest assured, Sam, it was not a spaceship from another planet, just another time. A long since abandoned Soviet satellite, one of its booster rockets didn't fire and it couldn't escape Earth's orbit. A sad reminder of a time when two powerful nations challenged each other and then boldly raced into outer space. What will be the next thing that challenges us, Toby, that makes us go farther and work harder? You know that when smallpox was eradicated, it was considered the single greatest humanitarian achievement of the century. Surely we can do it again, as we did in a time when our eyes looked towards the heavens. And with outstretched fingers, we touched the face of God. Here's to absent friends, and the ones that are here now.
3: Cheers, here. okay, cheers. Go flight. go. Final, go. Guide. Go flight. Cabin pressurization is underway as we prepare for ignition. Flight recorders are on. T-minus five, four, three, two, one.
0: And then the text of the film says, no, no, you shouldn't like that. You shouldn't like exploration. Stay here on planet bug. And then at the end it goes, yeah, you, sh- yeah, you, sh- you should. Off, off, off they go. Off they're going now to just to explore other places and just, you know, export this to other worlds. So we, we can like it now. But before, like the actual concept of going out and exploring space, like you should not have felt that during the teaser. So we, we brought you in here to teach you a lesson. If anything. Um, And again, I'm very much in the do both. I am not like, we've got to go out because we're fucked as a species. If we go out right now and Jeff Bezos is representing us, I would not. I would completely understand the aliens at best ignoring us and at worst annihilating us just to make sure that planet Amazon does not infect them.
1: This guy is still alive and you're letting him explore space? You are dangerous.
0: Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So, but yeah, no, it's, I'm very much like fix our shit, but also look to the heavens. Just, we've, to do both and the film seems to be kind of everything in its own time the uh, a running gag seems to be laser shield like the the new management guy that buzz does not like sets up instead of going out into space they're just going to build a laser shield and stay here and starve to death on planet bug and i'm like yeah i agree with you buzz this guy's fucking crazy because in pacific rim they were like let's just set up a big wall just build a and world. that'll that'll keep the kaiju out mm-hmm. this laser shields <laughs> Well, I mean, like, they get a massive infestation of bugs, don't they? So maybe the laser shield's not going to work long-term, is it? And then the bugs nearly kill everyone, but they they don't. Or maybe they did kill everyone, and that's why we don't see all those people at the end. There are so many big questions about what we're trying to save by the end. Mm. And here's the other thing that's huge. Buzz, in the future is trying to change the past so that such and such doesn't happen with predestined knowledge of they're gonna be stuck here for a long, long time. He wants to get back as far as he can to get them off earlier. So the whole thing becomes about young Buzz trying to convince old Buzz, who's now way into the future, whose frame of perspective is far gone, uh, that just to let go of that. The problem is The actual philosophical narrative of the movie is pinned on a notion of time travel and precognition of what's actually going to happen, as opposed to what will probably happen. Mm. So, it's not relatable to anyone, because we aren't
4: from the future!
1: Yeah, well the thing that that old Buzz is fixated on, and that he wants to travel back in time for, is not so much that he can try again to get them off the planet as he can undo his mistake and stop them crashing in the first place.
0: Which was a terrible mistake, by the way. Buzz and his best friend Alicia are leading this, like, space exploration thing, right? And they got a bunch of people in cryo sleep on their vessel. Okay. And so they land this big old vessel with everybody on board on this planet to see if it's livable or not. They just go ahead and land the entire vessel with everybody on it. Why wouldn't they send, like, a scout ship or something? So the movie can happen, but then it turns out this planet is hostile, and then Buzz accidentally crashes the ship, so they're stuck there. Oh, no. When you land on what appears to be a living planet, it takes exception to you. So, you send down a shuttlecraft. Every space federation has sent down shuttlecraft before, which leads me to believe this space federation should not be in space. So, actually, the best ending for this movie is the bugs eat everyone. Okay. Okay. That's not really what I mean. But I kind of get in the same feeling as the end of The Incredibles 2, where it's like, you know, I actually agree there should be no superheroes. You've, you've just fucking convinced me. <laughs> yeah. But there were still good things. I considered this to be scraps, because when I saw it and I went, oh, she's marrying a woman, and Chris Evans is actually saying, who is she? Uh, I'm like, oh. That's pretty cool. And I I guess she won't have any lines and she'll be sort of in the background and she'll get a hug, maybe a a chaste little kiss and she might be a bit ethnic just so that we can tick that box as well. And then we can like, give give that one to the diverse people and just go, there you go, some some more scraps. Do you like them? And then we can say the same thing again, which is put these characters front and centre, make sure that these relationships are well known and, and that you can't switch them around for the Chinese market, the Philippines, Russia, Saudi Arabia. The usual fucking thing. And apparently, two things happened. Sharon? Okay, so... So I'm sitting there assuming this in the cinema going, oh, more scraps, cheers for that.
1: Honestly, I feel like when they were originally putting the film together, that that was the executive's intention that they would create these scenes that it would be easy to simply swap out when so, uh, they went to certain foreign markets
0: so make the marital spouse i uh, like just uh, just switch the model a little bit so that it's it's more androgynous and becomes much more of a definite he maybe give them a beard so that just just that just throw a beard on them
1: but ultimately whatever the original intention was
0: and get chris evans to do another line where is who is he mm.
1: Whatever the original intention was, the release of this film happened around the time when Disney were coming under a lot of scrutiny for not challenging the Florida don't say gay bill so the the idea behind this bill if I remember rightly is that it was it was fairly similar to section 28 which we had back in um, the late 80s 90s and and early 2000s in the UK which was that you could not discuss queer relationships in uh, in what's considered to be Inappropriate context, which is basically in schools, to children. You can't talk to them about gay relationships or um, anything that isn't heteronormative. There's a time as, and a place
0: for learning about the real world, and it's not here.
1: Well, yeah. Um, the The idea being you can't promote them as normal and safe and healthy and all the rest of it. So the, the, the Florida thing was we will not talk about gayness in schools, okay? Okay? And Disney did not... Do anything initially to challenge, I want to say DeSantis, the governor who was trying to bring this in. Then their own employees wrote an open letter saying, This is fucking shit. You have queer people working for you and you are letting them down.
0: That's a direct quote.
1: By not, it almost is, uh, by not. Saying something about this, you are one of the biggest, if not the biggest, employer in Florida. You own so much Florida land. There are tax rules in Florida that exist solely for Disney. You have power here. You can say something about this.
0: Disney's a quiet little mouse who's like, we don't have any power. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So... And the upshot of this, whether they were directly connected, whether it was just coincidental that this was all happening around the same time, the upshot of it was they did not make any adjustments to light year for the foreign markets. And certain countries, certain territories who'd whose position is anything LGBTQ in particularly in something which is aimed towards children, will not be considered acceptable in our area. This film will not get a release if this remains. And the thing that they were picking on particularly was a kiss, which I believe is like a peck on the cheek. It's nothing. It's it's tiny. It's filth. It's depravity. Um, but, they, but they didn't change it. And they went, okay, this film doesn't release in those territories. So it's... It's a tiny line. It's a tiny line in the sand. But it, it feels like it was a line that but they decided to draw.
0: It's not the first time. The uh, Remember Spider-Man No Way Home? China said, if you just take out the Statue of Liberty, we'll release No Way Home in China. Mm. And they went, that's Act 3. So no, we can't. It's like, it's a huge deal. And so did they not release in China, or did China? Cave? I don't
1: know whether Far from Home got a, uh, whether No Way Home got a release.
0: Well, it made loads. I think they knew it would. Um, so either they banked on Lightyear making loads without help from the uh, intolerant territories. Which is probably a good way to put them. Also, oh, wait, wait, from the territories led by intolerant governments. Uh, no, that still doesn't narrow it down much, does it? Well, it doesn't
1: have to. It's it's a broad spectrum of countries at the end of the day. It's
0: big spectrum. Big <laughs> rainbow of countries. Um, so, yeah, Disney stuck to maybe not their principles, but the principles of, uh, of some of their braver LGBTQIA plus uh, stuff, who were, I would imagine, equally sick to death of the scraps that we get every animated movie and live-action movie in terms of casting and exposure. So there is that. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a plus that. point. And Again, I, it's all something that takes place in the first act, which yeah. I maintain is good.
1: And I, I appreciated the fact that the, this is... It is sort of a an attempt at normalisation. It is the creation of a family who is then presented, albeit through sliding doors, as... A family that's just there. It's not something that is uh, an integral part of the plot. There is no pain attempted to be extracted from it, or uh, or any drama of any kind. It's just this is the this is normal. This is entirely unremarkable. That. Alicia would be looking for a female partner is something that Buzz was aware of because mm. when she said she's engaged, his first response is, "What's her name?" He knows she's gay. Yeah, uh, so it's it it just all feels very much a part of this world. I thoroughly agree. We need more of that. Mm. We need scenes maybe where Buzz goes home and talks to Alicia and her wife.
0: My favourite Frederick Douglass quotes is, power concedes nothing without demand. It would appear we have to demand from Disney, morning, noon and night, forever and ever and ever, to get them to take a toe over the baby steps they've been taking Mm. up against this wall for years now that we've been lamenting. I didn't want to puncture any balloons of, of joy when it came to this movie. I didn't want people to be sad because they like the film and I'm, you know, crabby and uh and i expressed myself angrily about this but ultimately this is my wheelhouse our survival on this planet is something i think about and write about in my books all the time it occupies my mind it's everywhere it's one of the reasons that pacific rim is so wonderful is because guillermo del toro gets this conflict I could see opportunity after opportunity in Lightyear to expand upon the points they were making and make it really relevant, really poignant, and really about us. And they didn't, and they were preoccupied with the adventures of a bunch of motley crew space rangers who were like the outcasts, the bad news bears, the dodgeball team. It's like, ah, see, the outcasts turned out to be really useful in the end. So all of those faceless drone people that we never got to meet they weren't as good as these outcasts And i'm like i'm not sure what's being said here apart from it turned out that the losers were all right in the end and i feel like that's a message we've heard enough times and this is a message that needs to be made really fucking clear specifically for young kids the tension between our desire to journey out there to infinity and beyond And the dangers of bringing how we live right now to any new place.
1: That is understandable, yeah. Yeah.
0: This was a massive disappointment for me. This was a huge letdown. But I didn't expect anything from it. It didn't make it about this until I was in the cinema. And then I was like, okay, okay. And then I just sat there getting more bored and more stony and more tired and more wishing I just wasn't in the cinema while my audience sat around me silently staring at the screen, not feeling much of anything. Yeah. But then we came away from watching it yesterday and you guys loved it, which to me suggests that it was not so much a movie to be shown in cinemas as the... Yeah, the first four episodes of a Buzz Lightyear TV show yeah. on Disney Plus that then goes somewhere with this.
1: Maybe, uh, yeah.
0: School of Movies, unlike NASA, that receives an increasingly lower percentage of the annual federal budget each year, is funded by Patreon and our top tier $15 sponsors get credit every episode. So thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alejandra Vargas, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolf, Kieran Datchler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Solguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Wasta, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Pohlmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Timu hellas Hayo, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Skills Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras. And Valencia Burns. And next week, we are covering Superman the Animated Series. This is, to date, the best long-form on-screen version of Superman you can find. So if you liked our Batman the Animated Series show, then you're going to love this one. There was one bit with the, you know, the, the reverse sandwich. Yes. They're eating... Uh, sandwiches with the with big chunks of ham on the outside and bread on the inside. A moist maker if you will. And uh, everyone in this new future time is chastising uh, Buzz for wanting to eat sandwiches the old-fashioned way with the bread on the outside and the meat in the middle. Taika Waititi's character picked up the robot cat socks and then put him back down and went back to his sandwich and I was like okay so Uh, Wash your hands or hand sanitize after you've touched the cat and then my brain went. It's not a real cat You don't have to and then my brain went, but it's a robot and the robots still covered in bacteria And then my brain went but that disgusting juice covered sandwich Has been sat on a table Discarded and then he picked it back up again and started eating it. How is everyone in this colony not dead and then my brain went
3: Where's the ham
0: coming from? (laughs) see a pig anywhere.
1: I thought that too. At
0: the very end of this movie, Charlton Heston bursts in and says,
1: Don't eat the sandwiches!
0: (laughs) Yikes. Unless it just turns out to be bugs, in which case...
1: That was my assumption.
0: Let's end on Jonathan Coulton's tribute to Space Odyssey. Only this one is about Laika, the first dog shot into space by the National Space Programme of the former Soviet Union. They had no intention of bringing her back, which is what gives this song its beauty. You are listening to Space Doggety. We will see you next week when we will go beyond infinity, faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive. I've been Alex Shaw.
3: I've been Sharon Shaw.
0: And School's Out.
3: A cage is very small A tiny silver ball that Makes you a hero The moment you step inside The world is watching you What you're about to do Will live on for even though you'll be dead and gone, but the love we're about to turn the engines. Hello from Sputnik Two. I am received.